Welcome to Money in the Air, the music podcast about neighboring rights, the royalties you earn from the public performance of your recordings and the business of music in general. Brought to you by IFR, the International Association for Artists and Rights Holders. I'm Andrew, a royalty consultant helping artists to collect on their value. Hi, I'm Gina Deacon. I work for Absolute Rights Management and I work with record labels and artists to ensure we claim the royalty income due to them. I'm Stacey Haber and I'm from Inside Baseball Music Publishing. Hi, I'm Tanya Oliveira. I work for Transparency Entertainment Group. I focus on World X USA neighboring rights on the performer side and rights holder side. Hi, welcome back to Money in the Air, the neighboring rights podcast brought to you by IFR, the International Association for Artists and Rights Holders. And today we have a really special guest, the legend in sync that is Lionel Lodge. Hello, hello, Stacy. <laughs> I wouldn't use the word legend. And joining us today is Tanya and Gina, as always. Hi, ladies. Sync Lodge, because it's the most exciting thing to be happening in music today. Sync Lodge is we've looked at the sync licensing part of the music industry and looked at how the independents are dealing with it and thought that we can actually come up with a better system. And so our the main focus of Sync Lodge is on the needs of the music supervisors and the visual production companies. But there's a whole portal for copyright holders to register with us and to have their catalogs available for consideration for sync. The kicker on the whole thing is, is that it's totally free. There's no membership or usage charges. We do ask for 2% from the copyright holders, but for the music supervisors and visual production companies, we have built the best in class tools for them under their guidance for them to use for free. And so it will become the hub for music sync licensing. The thing that excites me about it is the cross-referencing and indexing for the ease of finding what you need based on the brief given to you by the producers. That's not yes. something that's yeah. easily done. We've automated a lot of tasks. Some people ask us, well, will, will our automation actually lead to not needing music supervisors? And that is a big definite no. The creative side is, is the important side. So we've automated a lot of the tedious mechanical things that they have to go through. One of the things is searching for who owns the actual copyrights. And the other exciting thing, the reason that we want you here on the Neighboring Rights podcast is because it's really big on the metadata and all the data that you need for a sync lodge, you will automatically have for Neighboring Rights registration. We are looking at many databases. There's a big problem with data. Correct data, the complete data, discrepancies between data, so that makes it confusing. Right? So our system, we are in databases and one of the things that we are finding is that there is a predominant missing of who played on each recording. We get publishers, we get record companies. A lot of times we get the songwriters, but who actually played on them is very, very rare in the, in the single digit percentages of the data that we're finding. And this is, this is quite astounding to me. One thing I do want to point out is we are not building a database. We are accessing databases. We call it single situational search. Single situational search is what that means is when the music supervisor is actually considering a recording, single or situation, and she can search just on that. Now it can be descriptive metadata or it can be a song and the featured artist. So it's a recording and they can then, then they can search and find out the metadata, ownership metadata that we have, that we have access to. And will all of that information and the ISRC go on the cue sheet? Yes, this automatically, the cue sheets automatically get built. And Lionel, you're an artist as well and a rights holder as well, aren't you? Uh, yes, I, I've been doing this all my life, all my adult life, and um, written many, many songs with other people, played on other people's recordings. 
many people playing on my recordings. It wasn't until I met up with uh, fine people at IRFR and was introduced to really what neighboring rights were. It was always a little bit of a thing in the background, neighboring rights. We're finding out that actually over the years, I probably missed out on quite a bit of money because I wasn't when claiming neighboring rights. And I used to be a bass player. Well, in, in, the, in the late 80s, I was a bass player in Toronto, playing on quite a few different sessions. Right, so this is, this, and I never, never registered, never knew anything about it. So when did you learn and who did you join? Well, I joined PPL. I first actually came across it a bit because doing sync licensing and dealing with Sky TV, right? And they right. were dealing directly with PPL. That was for the master rights, as far as I was concerned. It was actually during that time that we also met. And it was around in that same time that we met. I met you, Stacy, and you introduced me to IFR. And then you started telling me that no neighboring rights is actually a big deal. And you start telling me about the figures that is being collected and how everything that I've been owed over the last decades is probably being distributed to somebody else by now because it would have sat in a black box. And then after a number of years, depending on the society, I'm told, then they just give it away or do something else with the money. And, and this, is, this is something that, as soon as I learned that, I, I thought, okay, okay. Let us, let us see how many musicians, I'm sure everybody I know doesn't know about this. All the people in Canada that I play with, I would be surprised of the ones that would actually know about neighboring rights. And this is obviously, obviously something that is, is, needs to be shared. It needs to be, people need to be educated about this. Right? Somebody else is getting their money, starving artists that play on their friend's guitar track and then they hear it on the radio go, oh, that, that's, that's great, isn't that? Oh, well, you know, I did it as a favor. So yeah. once you registered, did you notice an appreciable increase in your income? Yes, yes, I did actually. But you know, what, what I did with actually Sky, then all of a sudden there was actually money. And I, I was mentioning earlier that on my last album, I was telling the players on the album, okay, you have to register. I would suggest PPL. That's where I am. And, and I'm going to register that you played on the recording, but you have to register yourself so you can actually be paid. Right. You have and to go in and claim it as the performer. That's right. Yeah. And, and so I, I told them this and most of them looked at me like I was, they, they thought I was making it up. Two out of the eight people actually registered. Right. There was there was some radio play. There was some things like that, but it, most of it was from through Sky and I was paid for it. And uh, the two other people were paid for it. And now I'm, I haven't checked up on it for a while, but I'm not sure if the other five or seven, six have actually uh, signed up. But it, it, it is something that what, what, how much is it per year generally globally that's collected? It's more than a billion a year. And the bulk of it comes from the U.S., funny enough. For SyncLodge, for our business, it does, even though we do not deal with neighboring rights, it does affect what we do to know who played on a recording. And for our side of that is because of the musicians' union's new usage fees. So, so it's not only on the back end with neighboring rights that you can get royalties, but with sync licensing, if you're a player on a recording and you are, especially if you're in the States or the UK or Canada, there is money that's being collected for you at the license level. Right? But if they don't know who you are, if nobody knows who you are and they, they, they don't have the documentation on, they listen to the recording then, they guess. Sounds like five people. Having that information, and it is tedious. It is, it is something that most creative people don't want to do, but you, it makes a huge difference. And in the US, if you're a session player and the AFM is holding your neighboring rights, they're not paying out to you unless everybody on the recording has registered. So your money's sitting there because somebody else couldn't be bothered to go in and claim. 
just wrong and you really everyone needs to go and claim their recordings even if you don't think that it's going to collect you a lot of money just for band politics good way to split up a band the bass mm -hmm. player still hasn't signed up for the neighboring rights what's wrong with that guy <laughs> you know what if you're not collecting your money it's just a hobby it's not your career do you want somebody else to have your money it's actually collected for you it's sitting mm. there. All you have to do is take a bit of time to register. There are also, there are services that we're, we're working with with SyncLodge, and I won't name any of them, but there are definite services out there that help in the process, in the creative process of logging this information. Database, catalog management, data, music catalog management. There's a lot of services that, that offer that. And you can just be in the studio and just put, okay, Daryl's playing the bass. Okay, he's doing the second part on, on, he's also playing a bit of guitar. Okay, we'll put that in. Okay, logged as you're going through. And then that can go through the whole chain. Are you with PPL for a worldwide mandate? Do they collect worldwide internationally for you? Yes, they do. There's reasons to have myself registered with other CMOs. Right? There is benefits to that. But part of it is, and I'm sure a lot of people out there would share the same excuse, is I'm very busy. And to, to go into all those CMOs and, and um, sign up to them. Now, th there are services out there that will do that for you, too. There are services that are hooked up to many C CMOs, and they will distribute the information to all of them. Are you with PPL both as a rights holder and as a performer? Yes. If it does become overwhelming for anyone out there? There are representatives who can help you with the administration. I want to focus on something Lionel said, which was interesting. You were talking about, you know, the bass player might have played the bass, and then he got on rhythm guitar, and then maybe he, shaked the, he shot the tambourine. So that's more than one role. It's worth pointing out and reminding, you know, some countries do pay you multiple times as a performer if you've done more than one role. So GVL in Germany does, Playwright in Belgium, Senna in the Netherlands, Abramus in Brazil. They're the four I know that definitely pay multiple times if you've done multiple roles and you've logged it correctly. So it's worth nudging your mates, your bandmates. I mean, like, you know, register, sign up. It's free. It doesn't matter where you join in the world. It's free to join. And then log all of your contributions, you know, not just the one part you played. If in the studio you did two, three, two, three different noises, you know, yeah log it you can go back up to six years if the recordings are registered on ppl any of those session musicians that haven't yet claimed have the opportunity to put their claim in and it will go back up to six years mm. so it's always worth it financially and it's never too late do you notice any television broadcast money coming in from SoCan? SoCan is, a, is a, a funny thing for me because it's again the data i don't get very very clear data so I get, I get a territory and I get a media type. I do get some stuff in Canada, but it's mostly, I get quite a bit of play in China, funny enough. Radio is not really my forte, right? I'm not a, I'm not a top 40 artist, right? I'm a sort of adult contemporary, you might say. My music is, is not gonna be on the radio, but with sync licensing, I can actually get placements and then the broadcast through the television, it's quite, it's very good, it's very good the royalties on that that's uh, good so, news yeah. yeah from experience i've noticed that canada canada pays well on tv broadcast and that includes production music because production music is a gray area definitely a ppl but outside of the uk it's you can get money if you, if it's been synced in a tv show and it was like a work for hire yeah canada's yeah. one of those countries yeah. which is great if you want any of the information that we're talking about but not giving you details go to www.iafar.co.uk 
and become a member. And then you have access to us and all of the information and all the things that we talk about. Yeah. If you need a rep, get a rep or do it yourself. And, and you know, it is well worth it. I agree mm. completely. Thank you for that. Lionel, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much for coming on today. Somebody wanted some information from you, Lionel, about Sync Lodge. Can we post a link for you as well? Can you? Yeah, we sure, sure. I'm really easy. I'm very, very open with my contact information. SyncLodge.com is the landing page. And you can reach out to us through that. Or my, my email address is Lionel.Lodge at SyncLodge.com. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Remember, that address again is www.iafar.co.uk. See you on the other side. Good night.